Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello mga kapusi Robby, alam kay Puma Podcast. We are taking stock of former President Rodrigo Duterte's war on drugs to understand where and how far it has taken Filipinos. But we also want to ask, where should it go? How much further and in which direction? This is the first episode of Tukhang sa Tukhang Season 2. If you did not catch Season 1, please listen to it. It's still up there. But for this new season... A couple of things will be different. For one, I have a co-host. Hi, I'm Gideon Lasco. I'm a medical doctor, senior lecturer at UP Diliman, and research fellow at Ateneo de Manila University. Since 2011, I've been studying drug use and drug policy in the Philippines. I also edited the book Drugs and Philippine Society, which came out two years ago with the Ateneo de Manila Press. Salamat Gideon for joining us, and thank you for your very important work. I'm glad to be here. Beyond Gideon, the second thing that will be different with this season, we want to expand the conversation. Of course, we will revisit and we will not turn our backs on the killings. But we also want to go beyond the question of justice. We want to talk not just about those who were killed because of drugs and drug accusation, but those who are living with and using drugs today. We want to question and expand our definitions of drugs, given that their being legal or illegal is a matter of politics. We also want to challenge our assumptions of why people use drugs in the first place. Are all people who use drugs addicts? Or in the third words, subhumans, zombies? What about the students who take various substances so they can study for their exams? The vendors, construction workers, and tricycle drivers who take shabu so they can work harder and stay awake longer. These are real people. Are there other ways, other lenses by which we can see them other than the criminalized lens of law and justice or the medicalized lens of addiction and rehab? So season 2 continues because the war on drugs continues. Duterte is no longer president. The new president, Ferdinand Marcos Jr., has pledged to continue the campaign but promising a more humane, more disciplined, more public health-centered approach. We cannot stop the drug war. The, the problem continues to exist. What we can do is uh, to examine and learn lessons from the experience in the, uh, from the past administration. We will adjust. We let us adjust our focus. At the same time, however, his officials have also said there will remain to be a no-mercy approach to addressing those who supply and peddle illegal drugs. The drug war will be pursued relentlessly in accordance with the oath I will be taking on the basis of the Constitution. So what, if any, will actually change? More to the point, in this season of Tokang sa Tokang, we also ask, what should change? And how?
let's pick up with a name that's familiar to everybody. Kian De Los Santos. His remains were exhumed on August 15, 2022, just a day removed from his fifth death anniversary. You remember him. Kian was the 17-year-old who begged for his life. From the police who killed him anyway. Lumabas sa mga investigasyon na lumuhod sa harap ng mga pulis ang binatilyo upang hindi siya patayin. Grainy but clear CCTV footage showed him being led to his execution. Inamin nilang sila ang mga pulis na nakita sa CCTV na kumakaladkad sa isang lalaki. More perhaps than any of the thousands of deaths attributed to former President Duterte's war on drugs, Kian's death, or maybe it was just the CCTV, triggered outrage in the Philippines and around the world It called attention to the reality of extrajudicial killings in the course of that notorious campaign. Nakakulong na sa kasong murder ang mga pulis sa sangkot sa pagkakasay. A judgment of conviction of the crime of murder. That, Kia's death, was in August 2017. Since then, the courts have convicted and sentenced three policemen. One key question for Filipinos as they transition from Duterte to the current Marcos administration is, what do those convictions actually prove? For the former president and his allies, the convictions of the cops are evidence of justice and of accountability. Here's Senator Bato de la Rosa, the first chief of police under Duterte in the war on drugs. Pero ito lang ha, Ruby. Hindi siya dididipinsan ko yung pulis na gumawa kasi konviktado naman, di ba? Konviktado naman. To which families of victims, survivors of the war on drugs, and rights advocates respond, well, that's one case out of thousands, if not tens of thousands. Father Flavi Villanueva of Project Arise frames the case of Kian as not only an outlier, but tokenism. Not only in the face of thousands of unresolved murders, but against a larger system of impunity that, he stresses, has always been there and still continues. Let me begin by saying that there was really no sincere investigation that took place in Duterte, no, uh, except uh, the case of Ian. The killers are still at large. The informal group of the PNP, The DDS, the death squads, they're still at large, you know. We reopen our series with Kian, in other words, because it is his exhumation that digs up the debate and questions on either side of calls to move on from Duterte and the war on drugs. Merong maraming mailalabas sa katotohan. Maasa ako na sa buto ni Kian, may makita, mangusap pa rin siya hanggang sa huling sandali. This is Randy De Los Santos, Kian's uncle. He said, the truth will come out. I am hopeful that through his bones, Kian will continue to speak. In August 2022, the De Los Santos' five-year lease to temporarily keep Kian's remains at the public cemetery had expired. Unable to pay for a permanent resting place, they were forced to retrieve Kian's remains from the Laloma Cemetery in Caloocan. But before, and precisely so that, the remains can be moved elsewhere, the De Los Santos family authorized a new autopsy for Kian. 
It's all in line with Project Arise by Program Paghilom. In exchange for families agreeing to have their relatives' remains exhumed from temporary graves, they are offered free cremation and interment at more permanent location. Here is Randy De Los Santos again. Para kasi masabi natin na talagang gumagana yung hustisya, balikan yung ibang mga kaso at tingnan. Dahil sa loob ng limang taon, may sinasabi pa rin ng mga bangkay ng mga biktima. The new autopsies are being carried out by forensic pathologist Raquel Fortun. In Kian's case, she was quick to expose the superficial treatment police pathologists gave the slain student's corpse, a matter that has compelled the Department of Justice under Marcos to say they will look into it. But to Randy's point, Fortun says that beyond Kian's own re-autopsy, it does not take much to immediately see a basic truth with the other bodies being exhumed under Project Arise. I've said over and over again, this war on drugs targeted the poorest of the poor. Why? I see the teeth, and they're so awful. I've seen only about three or four cases with dentures. But generally, um, my idea is these are people who may not have even seen a dentist at all in their life. Rachel Fortun is one of just two internationally recognized forensic pathologists in the Philippines. This is the contentious one. He was known to have been shot, but the doctor cited the cause of death as acute myocardial infarction and then due to hypertension. But you know, this is a case where he was violently killed. And yet, the doctor wrote a natural cause. 32 of 46 bodies she re-examined had gunshot injury, but you wouldn't know that from their death certificate. They were mostly listed as having died of natural causes. The line for cause of death for 11 of them were left blank or incomplete. In the death certificate, it indicates that 20 may not have had an autopsy at all, or it's not known. To be sure there were police reports filed, there were official investigations. Fortune says some case folders were, at a glance, quite impressive even. Because it's about a quarter of an inch thick. But if you scrutinize what's in that case file, it doesn't say anything. There is a certification that the victim is a drug user. And then the bulk of that thickness is due to paperwork. Request for this, request for that, but there's nothing here about the result. Doesn't explain anything. To the point that many victims and their families turn to other authorities and institutions for justice, or at least for more credible probes. Some victims went to NGOs or to the church. When they come to me, ano, lahat yan, kapag pumunta sa akin for the first time, lahat yan, hagulgul, they all have... This is Father Flavi Villanueva of Project Arise in an interview with Puma Podcast. They all howl in tears, in anger even. And uh, at the end of that first meeting, I asked them the, the uh, question that I ask everyone, kanino ka magtitiwala? Kanino ka nagtitiwala? 
normally they say naman sa simbahan Whom do you trust? Father Flavi asked them. The victim said they trust their religious leaders. And with that, Father Flavi urges them to come forward, to not be afraid, to speak with them. And come and speak they did. Once, then returning, twice, thrice. And so far, we have 183 who, who come together every general assembly. Gideon, I find it interesting that in this brief sharing by Father Flavi, it's not justice that people immediately come to him for. Absolutely. When people got victimized in this drug war, it involved not just them being killed, but their dignity being attacked. They were essentially accused as criminals, as drugs of society. So they're also looking for recognition, for acknowledgement. To be seen as people and to be seen as people with, with, with dignity and people who have rights, people who have important contexts that we need to understand. It's an interesting point because it wasn't just government, it wasn't just the police, it wasn't just uh, barangay officials who, who looked past that, even us as consumers of news or even us in media, maybe we don't even frame them as drug addicts, right? or pushers. But at best, we just, for example, media will just say suspected addicts and so on. But we didn't actually always start off just framing them as people. Absolutely. The moment that their drug allegations, it's not even proven, but regardless of whether they actually use drugs or not, the moment we use drugs as their main identity, the moment we call them addicts, users, abusers, then we we dehumanize them so it's important to humanize them ano ba yung mga background nila ano ba yung buhay nila it is so crucial if we are to understand drug use and if we are to help people in their communities that's also probably why kian was such a powerful case no kasi one he had a name we forget a lot of the victims that were shot and were were killed a lot of them were actually unnamed in season 1 Meron kaming episode where rappers produced a rap about drug war victims. The title of the rap was Boy. And sabi na, that's not an accident. Kasi when we looked at the data, ang daming mga namatay nakalagay lang doon alias boy. And so even their names were stripped from them and taken away from them. But Kian, one, he had a name. Two, we saw him on CCTV. We have an image of him. And I think most powerfully, people have not forgotten this. People remember him saying na wag po. Yeah, I think like sabi that. niya na ano, uh, may exam ako bukas. I think that, that that's what he was quoted as saying as his last word. Because suddenly, at that moment, at that moment that we have the 17-year-old saying that may exam makabukas, he was not this image of a addict or a drug runner or pusher user. He was a student studying for an exam. And that's something that, that we can all relate to because that's something that we have been through and that's something that's familiar to us. Hmm. And it also makes it 
easier then to relate as well to the family after the fact. And that's probably why ito yung sinasabi naman ni Father Flabby wasn't necessarily referring, of course, to the family of Kian. But he says that when families now approach him, we assume that they run to the barangay, they run to the police, they run to NGOs, they run to eventually the International Criminal Court because, of course, they want justice. But Father Flabby also makes a point that, no, but when they first came to me, it wasn't justice, it wasn't law, it wasn't punishment that they needed. The first thing they needed was just they needed to cry. Yes, and we need to ask ourselves how we can enable that as one of the first steps to move this forward because there's so many others like them who have no space to, not just to cry, but also to tell their stories. Project Arise and the exhumation of the bodies are also forcing a wider conversation about the war on drugs. Duterte painted drug users as either peddlers of death and then drug users as like walking dead, like zombies. But when Kian was exhumed, he was clearly to everyone, not a zombie. For everyone, as we discussed, who saw his remains, their memory was very powerful. That's a boy. He was a student who needed to do his homework. I hear what you're saying, Gideon, unless we talk about humanizing, we're bound to repeat our mistakes, which is to make the point that we're doing season two because, you know, the point here is not that the war on drugs of Duterte will continue under President Marcos. I guess the point is that unless we change and broaden our mindsets, the war on drugs will continue in all governments, beyond Duterte and beyond Marcos. I absolutely agree, Robbie. Let us also look at prevention. Let us uh, education to our, pe- to our young people to say that, you know, this is a dead end. Uh, this will get you absolutely nowhere. It will get you put in jail. It will get you killed. Uh, and uh, even if it does not do that, this will take away your future. And second part of that is cure. Uh, to be more sensitive and more sympathetic to those who actually have gotten caught up up in uh, uh, this uh, lifestyle. Now, as to the enforcement, uh, uh, to put it very bluntly, I simply told them, look, I'm not interested in the, uh, in the kid who's, uh, uh, who makes 100 pesos a week selling weed. That's not the person that I, that I want you to go after. President Marcos' tone and message is clearly already different from that of President Duterte. But it's still looking in the same direction, still subscribing to the same problematic paradigms. Moreover, when you take it with the voices and messages of his officials, there's a lot of dissonance and confusion. Sa mga nagtutulak, andito ang ating mga kapulisihan, mga General Pideya, ipapakulong namin kayo. Pupunuin natin ang kulungan ng mga nagtutulak na yan. Aayusin natin at lilinisin natin ang sistema. Yung tiwala na mamamayan sa institusyon ay talagang lalo natin pag-iintingin. When Interior Secretary Benjamin Abolo spoke at the national launch for the Marcos government's BIDA program, Buhay ay ingatan, droga ay ayawan, it was couched as the administration's platform for an all-of-society approach to fighting drugs. 
Aside sa ginagawa ng pulis, pulis, tulungan natin sila. Kailangan tanggalin natin ang ugat ng puno. Unemployment, education, the family, lahat po. And despite the confusion that you already mentioned, Gideon, that last statement by Abalos is at least is clearly taking a wider and more appropriate view. We do have to start from that question and remind government that supposedly they're asking it now. Before we leap into more action, what is at the root of all of this? And so, which is precisely why in the series we will look at everything Abalos did mention. Unemployment. Poverty, education, the family, the values, assumptions, and ideologies that have been with us for decades, including those promoted by the church, the media, politicians, medical professionals even. When President Marcos Justice Secretary Jose Crispin Remulia spoke with reporters after facing the UN Human Rights Council in Geneva, he said a lot of controversial things that we will not quote right now, but he also expressed this much. What they saw was a country open to suggestion, a country that does not deny that there, there, are, there are problems within the system, but who is open to suggestions and open to improving whatever situation there is here. We do not hardball and say that's not true. What we're saying is that if there is room for improvement, we will take it on. Of course, it will be great if such statements are sincere and will be backed by political will. But in any case, we can take this moment post-Duterte, and still within the first year of a new administration to participate in a constructive discourse, one in which we confront not just the bloodlust of those who support a brutal drug war, but our own ways of thinking, our assumptions about drugs, our opinions about the people who use them, and our imagination as to what is possible in our political system. We assume Kian, after all, not just to run after his killers. In a way, we're assuming the war on drugs because the nation as a family needs to see this body also, needs to understand not just what happened to this body, but how did it affect all of us. Exactly, Robbie. And it's not just that young people shouldn't get killed, but they should have a good life. They should be free from all this violence, from the problems, hardships, and stressors for which some of them take drugs in the first place. In an ideal world, Kian would be in college right now pursuing his dream. Tama na po, may exam pa ako bukas. We need a society where our youth can take their exams and pass them and succeed in life. That's what's at stake in this conversation. In an ideal world, we have potentially anywhere from 20 to 30,000 young people, not just one Kian, entering the workforce right now. In an ideal world, also, we're not talking about the police and the justice system this way. In an ideal world, we are all working together and the country will have moved on from a very simplistic conversation about drugs.
you've been listening to the first episode of season two of Tokhang sa Tokhang. We'll be putting out a new episode every Friday. Don't miss it. Subscribe to Tokhang sa Tokhang on your favorite podcast app. Again, I'm Gideon Lasco. And muli po ako po si Robbie Alampay, Puma Podcast. This episode was written by myself, Gideon, and Franco Luna. It was edited by Mark Casillan. Sound designed by Nina Toralba. Our producer is Trisha Aquino. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 